Welcome back to another exciting edition of Animation Deliberation. It's the podcast where we take action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. On this episode, we are finally tackling the final episodes of Young Justice Season 2, a.k.a. Invasion. So stay tuned for that right <laughs> after this. What's up? I'm just crying because of the season. <laughs> You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. Take it away, my friend. Sing along if you know the words. It's animation, deliberation, conversation, and a celebration of a favorite action animated series. Yeah. Woo. Well done. Well done. Well, welcome back, folks. Uh, it is another episode of Animation Deliberation. I'm your host, Jay Scotty St. Clair, and I am joined by the man with the golden pipes there. Zuhair Ali. What's up, Zuhair? How you doing, buddy? <laughs> these, these last two episodes actually have me overwhelmed. Yeah, right, right, yeah. There's always a, a time to be whelmed, and then there's a time to be underwhelmed, but season finale time is the time to be overwhelmed, and man, this show continues to deliver in that regard. Man, it's just, it's so well done. This, uh, the episode... Episode 20, Endgame, had 20.051 million viewers on March 16, 2013. Eh, that's nothing to scoff at for an animated show. That's, yeah. The only other episode that hit the 2 million mark in the season was Episode 4, Salvage. Oh, okay. Interesting. Hmm. I'm trying to remember what happened in Salvage, but that was... Quick scroll! Yeah. Anyway, but it, I mean, it, it just kind of goes to show it. Even though it got that many viewers, the show still subsequently got canceled. So we've already kind of had that banter back and forth. How you were the one that was kind of right there in the fields when the show was coming out, um, having to deal with this like awful news that it got canceled, <laughs> lying out there in limbo without having any idea where this was going, and then how awesome it must feel when the show makes its triumphant return. So. Yeah, it was a it was a heartbreak, and me being the asshole that I am, I was telling other people to watch the show, not telling them about that either, so that more friends uh, in the immediate area would suffer just along uh, as mm-hmm. well as I did. Yeah. Um. So I'm sorry to all those people who I dragged along <laughs> with me, but it was a very emotional time, and I needed people to be empathetic with me. It happens. Yeah, so this show ended in March of 2013, and Season 3 did not come back until January of 2019. Wow. Wow. If you were a DC Universe subscriber. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's enough time for, like, a, an adolescent viewer to, like, become an adult. Yeah. That's, that's just crazy. Yeah, I went from college to a few years in my career by the time span of this show finally coming back on. Wow. 
Well, I mean, you, you mentioned how emotional it is, and it really does pack an emotional punch. Um, and it, this is kind of uh, interesting for us because other than our debut episode where we tackled the first two episodes of Young Justice Season 1, uh, most of our, our coverage has, has covered at least three, four, five episodes, sometimes upwards of like six episodes. So it's kind of nice to be able to dial in on these two episodes specifically because they were excellent episodes some of my favorite episodes and i loved how tonally different they were um episode 19 summit felt like a season finale in a lot of ways especially with the action we got so much action and it was so Mm -hmm. good um i loved all all the reveals like it was such a good moment for the team uh vandal savage like acknowledged that he had underestimated them for all these years it was such a great episode for aquaman or excuse me, Aqua Lad. Uh, he's been one of my favorite characters since the beginning of the show, and he went through such an incredible journey this season. And for him to have that epic tri- triumphant moment where he basically puts not only the Reach, but the light in their place and like tells them how perfect they are for each other. Man, oh, so good. Yeah, this episode 19 summit really did tie up a lot of the loose ends and questions that we had about the season because as we know there's a lot of mystery and a lot of great cliffhangers mm-hmm. and 20 just kind of seems to be that we're just going to add one more catastrophe to hope that we get renewed and but the the episode itself was really really well done really detailed a lot of emotion a lot of extra it, it, we, I've said it multiple times that this show did things before MCU made it cool. And in the summit, we had the conclusion to a lot of the big things that were happening. And in the episode called Endgame, we we see the aftermath of these events and all the tension of people supposedly dying and relationships being broken. But we get to see the encounters between the people who were heartbroken and the people who thought they lost someone like mm-hmm. reunite and actually get to talk it out and, and deal with the issues of it. And it was really beautifully done. We had beast boys dialogue of no more pretend debts for another year, <laughs> at least. Which, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, that line so much, but another one that was really big for me is when then, when they were going for the nodes, um, we had Lagan and Aqualad finally, like oh, they were yeah. paired up on their mission. It was like, oh, you trust me now? He was like, I always trusted you. Why do you think I let you take my place? But like mm. those moments were such a big thing because Lagan wanted his head at one point. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, Beast Boy was like celebrating the fact that Miss Martian almost killed him. Like there was a lot of stuff that yeah, happened. So being yeah. able to see those interactions between our heroes before this catastrophic event and in the middle of what could have been the end of their lives was really beautiful to see and really well done on the creator's end of things mm-hmm. yeah uh, 100% agreed and uh one of one of like the tropes or like common threads of like any comic book or comic book adaptation excuse me comic book adaptation and we've already even seen it in this show is the whole uh, like fake out death trope and it was done to such great effect, like multiple times in this episode, with uh, you know Aqualad and Tigris, uh, Rachel Ghoul basically just rips the the glamour charm right off of Artemis right in front of everybody, and then Deathstroke subsequently shoots them right then, and it's such a shocking and effective moment. Like 
yeah, the light takes care of their own and you believe it. Uh, but then obviously it's revealed that that was McGann. We find out that Aqualad actually took out Deathstroke before all of this happened, which kudos to him because we've already talked about how competent a fighter and how awesome a fighter Deathstroke is in this universe. So that just gives even more credence to Aqualad. And I mean, he did have that awesome showdown with his father. And I, I love the line, like, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, I believe that was fairly ruthless, Father. I hope it made you proud. <laughs> like, so good. Yeah, my my first note actually was, I love how Deathstroke alone could go toe-to-toe with Black Beetle, but you see Wonder Girl and Superboy not be able to overwhelm him at all. Oh, sure. Yeah. And yeah, it was McGann, which is arguably even more impressive, but when you thought it was just Deathstroke, it was like, wow, like we've seen our favorite heroes, like, struggling. And even afterwards, like, they came up and he just grabbed Superboy and threw him into the ceiling. And I'm just like, right, that says right. a lot about Deathstroke's skill set. Like, holy crap. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But then, And you brought up Black Beetle and, like, talking about the fake-out deaths there, like, Black Beetle basically just impales uh, Ra's al Ghul when the relationship between the Light and the Reach is just completely de- deteriorated at this point. I mentioned how you know aqualad mentioned all their uh machinations and conniving nature and basically you know constantly undermining each other um it, it was such a, a great and poignant moment I, I i think one of the themes of the episodes and one of the themes of the show is again like aqualad got so many great lines and just such great character moments when he says we value our friends like you guys don't know what it's what it is to have true friends we value our friends and that's when you get the awesome reveal that every time Vandal Savage thought he had the upper hand, it was just like more and more <laughs> of those of those ninjas were just undercover agents. Yeah, we get everybody comes out of the woodwork, and starting with Blue Beetle, um, Tim Drake, and Cassie, which I, I love seeing that budding romance, and I loved how they planted the seeds for it right before you got that, that scene um, where you clearly see them holding hands, and then... I think it's Connor that asks how long they've been a, a couple. Yeah, it before was so that, cute. Before that, there was the scene where they were talking, and I can't remember exactly what they were talking about, but if you look like towards the bottom of the screen, it's clear that Robin's hand goes towards her, and it's clear that they're holding hands. It's just off screen, but really, really well done. Yeah, I I love this show so much. Man, can we, um, can we kind of focus on this moment a little bit, just the dialogue between the light and the reach at the beginning of the episode. Cause it was a really cool conversation. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think there was a lot of, a lot of loose ends and being able to see, like you think that they have this alliance and Lex Luthor is like pro reach, but then we find out that the light indeed actually has been sabotaging the reach the whole time. Like, yeah, they invited them in to kind of like get what they needed out of it. Right. But it's, it's impressive and terrifying how much they orchestrated controlling the team and the leaf and getting them to do what they wanted throughout this whole season. Yeah. And it it's coming right off of uh the end of season one. Like I remember like it's kinda of funny as as the episodes are coming back out and I've been able to go back and listen. You it was something I didn't pick up on at the end of season one, but Vandal Savage Vandal Savage says phase one is done, time for phase two. So, I mean, I just, you got to wonder what's happening. Obviously, we left Vandal Savage in a very, 
very crazy place on Apocalypse, but um, that was that was just such another great scene where Nightwing is looking at his friends and kind of like how this new team is going to operate with him out of the picture, and he's just like he sees Alpha, Beta, Gamma, they all have their their duties, and he's just like business as usual, and then you get the mirror of Vandal Savage on Apocalypse with Dark Side of all people, and yeah business as usual so what the hell does that mean like what what involvement has dark side had in, in these entire proceedings I... yeah as much as they have these little subplots throughout the series there really is just one big storyline that's constantly going through and it's mm-hmm. something that's just like really fun to keep track of like from the beginning to here like there has been just one objective we, that we don't even know what it is from the light. Right. And there's been one thing that the team and the Justice League have been fighting, which is really cool that they get to operate out of the same watchtower now, and Batman even says, like, you guys earned this. Yeah, yeah. Batman didn't get a ton of screen time this season, especially in comparison to, to last season, where he very much was a, you know, he was the, the guy that gave their them their missions every episode. He took such a backseat this episode, even in the, like, the trial scene, um, you know, he was really just kind of in the background. That was a great moment for McGann and, and Superboy's relationship to come full circle as well. I kind of described it as uh, galactic law and order. Yeah. Because <laughs> you've got, you know, Icon doing his damnedest to try and do this thing the right way, but it's just an insanely corrupt tribunal, and it takes the the imagination of, uh, or I guess the ingenuity of, of McGann and Connor to, you know, paint the fact that if they deliver justice here and now, they'll basically just open themselves up to more bribes in the future. So really, really nice book in for them. You know, they, they started the season at such a weird place with McGann being with Lagan and, you know, Superboy just kind of uh, reverting back to his old ways in terms of just kind of being silent and, and, and keeping to himself. So, and two things based off of what you just said, one of them being that we get to see a lot of what intergalactic law and treaties and how much these things have been going like before the time of man. Like we find out that the scarabs had a presence on Earth for the longest time. Right. Um, we find out that there's guardians of the galaxies, but there's also the Green Lantern Corps and that they have like certain jurisdiction like, hey, the Justice League is free and everything, but the Guardians can't go back until Earth like officially says that they don't want the Reach there anymore. And that was a huge factor. And I talked about this a little bit in the last season, but just to kind of like reiterate it now, the the trial scene kind of showed that Superman is the face of the Justice League, but Batman's always been the one who calls the shots. Like, it is like a co-leader. Like, I guess, I I mean, I guess they have like this chairman now, which is the dialogue that Captain Adam said. He's like, correct. Yep. uh, Man, it's tiring being the, the chairman, so... Black Canary, you can do it now. It's like, thanks. Yeah, well, was was wasn't that right after we got the reveal that uh, uh, Lex Luthor was being appointed to the UN and Superman's reaction is great. Just, he was you heated. gotta be freaking kidding me. <laughs> he was so <laughs> mad. Like if that was not a hologram, he would have punched the TV. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, oh Luthor, you sneaky bastard. Well, s- speaking of Luthor, I mean, he set himself up perfectly to be in that position with the whole um so basically the end game that black beetle puts into place because he gets taken out 
fairly early in the episode. I mean, obviously we had the big skirmish that we referred to in Summit where he and the scientist escape and he rightfully leaves the ambassador there. I, I love that moment for the <laughs> ambassador to get his comeuppance. Um, but yeah, he basically deploys these things called MFDs, magnetic field disruptors that are, you know, in kind of typical pseudoscience comic book sense, they're basically just disrupting the magnetic field of the earth and creating all sorts of natural disasters and will eventually destroy the earth. But it is Lex Luthor who, with his relationship with the reach, he's already developed anti reach software. So, I mean, yeah. Oh, that's, that's when, uh, I think maybe that was when Cassie and, and Tim had that moment when, uh, Cassie was kind of like, do, are we really going to trust Lex Luthor? And then Tim was like, oh, it's his world too. And yeah, I love that wrong. Line. Like, yeah, that's what you, you've alluded to it. But that is what's really great about Lex Luthor in general, and definitely this version of, of Lex Luthor. I mean, more often than not, we've seen him allied allied with these heroes pretty frequently, um, and he's always charming as hell. Yeah, and somebody's got to be the face of that rescue, and he wasn't going to let it be Captain Adam. Right, yeah, exactly. And you know what was really cool was that they said that it was 40 heroes working together in that scene. Oh, wow, yeah. Well, you knew there had to be a lot because uh, Tigris and, or I should say Artemis at this point, Artemis and Kid Flash's team was Omega, and I think that's the first time we've we've heard Omega because uh, who was it? Artemis goes to, to check in and she's like, Omega squad report, and then Wally comes in for a kiss, and then the person on the other line is like, uh, I think we got a little interruption there. Uh, <laughs> Omega? Omega? <laughs> I think there was a Theta squad, too. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I remember hearing another one that kind of threw me off a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. But I, I did want to kind of circle back to... I, I brought up that whole theme in uh, in the previous episode um, about the, the death tropes and the fakeouts. Oh, I'm going to cut you off. Sorry. One more thing. Um, we talked okay. about the combos. It was Artemis and KF, and then um, Aqualad and Lagan. The last duo that we got to see a little bit of it was, it was Black Lightning and Static Shot. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Which was, was cool. a cool opening to mentorship. We find out that the other Misfits just kind of retired. Arsenal wanted to do his whole thing, but Static actually uh, joined the team and has a mentor to train under. And that was really cool. And yeah. while we were on the topic of duos, I just didn't want to skip out on that. No, no, I, I am glad you, you brought that up, and I, I it was great to see, um, but I can't help but uh, think of, while we're on the subject of Black Lightning at all, Vandal Savage effectively beat Shazam, Black Canary, and Black Lightning, and just basically threw them through, was it was it like a boom tube, or was yeah. that Clarion's portal that opened up, I can't remember. Yeah, it was just child's play, just threw them through. Yeah, yeah. So that just goes to show. And then uh, Kid Flash had that great moment, too, where he revealed himself to Vandal Savage. He's like, hey, Vandy, you miss me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but on the subject of Kid Flash, that is one thing I wanted to circle back to when I was talking about the, the death fakeouts. All the ones that we got in the previous episode, including Rachel Ghoul, um, because, you know, his his henchman, Ubu, says the classic classic thing that we know about Rachel Ghoul. He's got the the Lazarus pits and he's got mm-hmm. the capability of uh, resurrecting himself. But anyway, those fake outs are, you know, juxt- juxtapositioned against Kid Flash's ultimate sacrifice and that's when you realize, you know, this one's for real. Like, this one's not going away and as much as you want it to go away. And it all happens so quickly. It's like 
as as Kid Flash is realizing it, Barry's realizing it, and uh, Impulse can only sit by and watch. And I guess it was the Scarab was the was the first one to pick up on on what was happening. But yeah, uh, and oh, that man. was heart wrenching during episode nineteen when the team was like sabotaging the summit. Yeah. Uh, Kid Flash and Impulse were running together and Kid Flash told him it's like hey me and Artemis are going back into retirement I expected you to be wearing something more red and yellow yeah. you should carry on the family tradition Yep, yep. he passed on the mantle like the day before he died pretty much yeah and it all comes first full circle when you, you see him don the clothes and um, Artemis gives him that seal of approval and reveals that she's gonna, you know, change her moniker to be Tigers full time just because Artemis was Kid Flash's was Wally's partner, so yeah. she wants to try out, you know, being Tigress and she's like, uh, Impulse says as a hero, she says as a blonde. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I like that. that. Um, I like that Kid Flash went out with like a joke too. I'm forgetting what the line was now, unfortunately. Oh, he's like, Artemis is so going to kill me for this. Yes, yeah. yeah. And then he was like, tell my family, like, just tell my parents. And Well, yeah, he just said, just tell them. And I love the fact that, like, I mean, it, it is implied, but Barry didn't have to ask, tell them what is the first thing when he sees Artemis. He says he wanted you to know that he loved you. Yeah, I like that, that Barry got... Um a little spotlight in this like he handled the science end of it he was the first one on scene um mm-hmm. but it was it was re- just really sad that he had to see his his protege just die to save the world yeah yeah and i and i hate to circle back to a more lighthearted moment when we're talking about such a such a heavy and poignant sacrifice but uh when barry did arrive uh there was that great line from lex luther where he's like or, or Barry says, like, what do we do now? And Lex Luthor says, run. And he's like, hey, I'm, I'm not a quitter. I didn't say run away. I said run. Yeah, so, I love that so yeah. much. Yeah, it was cool. It's it's one of those things where it's like, I love that the show highlights the League. And it just makes me want more miniseries based off of, like, the League itself. I know it's supposed to be around the quote-unquote sidekicks, but it's like... This is some of the best storytelling for the League members I've ever seen, too. And I just want to see more of that. Yeah, yeah. And and you kind of alluded to it uh, before, but yeah. Yeah, we get the confirmation. I mean, yeah, Batman says it's not just because Mount Justice was destroyed, but you have earned the right to work here side-by-side side with the League. Yeah. And Icon said it to McGann and Connor, too. The League owes its freedom and its reputation to you guys, so... And it was kind of quick, but we've had two instances where there's, like, a small group of the team and the Justice League, like, comes flying and surrounding them. But when the League comes back from Ran, they were oh, yeah. in the remains of Mount Justice, and it was the team that was coming in to greet them. And I was like, oh, that's such a beautiful flip. Yeah, su- yeah Superman had that moment. Are we too late? Yeah. Um, which kind of echoed... Uh, Kid Flash's, uh, or I guess it wasn't. It wasn't Kid Flash. It was Neutron that we saw in the future, um, that realized like things hadn't hadn't completely changed. And uh, on that note, I'm actually c- kind of surprised we never revisited Neutron because 
what the last time we saw him was when the the runaways made their break and he flipped the the security alarm on them, right? He was in the runaways? Yeah, yeah, he was uh he was Newt. He was like the he was like the one when they were still in the facility at Star Labs. Oh, that was him. Yeah, he was the, he, yeah, he was the one that didn't leave with them. Yeah. It's, I kept wondering who that was. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Nathaniel Neutron, I can't remember his last name. But. That's what I try, happens when I try to binge like six episodes the night before. <laughs> oh, you you're good. It's like you're write good. down the key details. Who is this? <laughs> <laughs> you you're good, man. And I, that's why I, this is a, little... a team effort. <laughs> exactly exactly i've been a little scatterbrained in some of my coverage as well and on that note i did want to kind of uh, switch back to something when we were talking about the sacrifice that uh kid flash made there was another sacrifice in this episode that was a little lesser so but gave me it, it hurt my heart for a second i thought green beetle was completely gone i mean i do mourn his his scarab because green beetle was so cool having the beetle powers with the martian powers but i'm a i'm glad that bars Oom is is still around and still kicking because even in that like final mission, I think it's yeah. Alpha, Alpha Squad that's going to to Mars to help him. But um, I was definitely concerned that uh, he was dead for a second until Blue Beetle or excuse me Black Beetle gives his line about that meat being uh, particularly difficult to kill or yeah being yeah. able to survive the separation with the, the Scarab. He was part of the uh, the forty man team that was taking down the the machine as well oh right 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 yeah. yeah when they did that pan of everybody he was in the back and um it's been a while since i've watched season two i think i've watched season one more than anything so like i mentioned hmm. um in our last episode like i'm actually getting to the point where it was foggy what happened oh yeah and huh. i actually thought that he did die so when that happened i was like i don't want to watch him die again because that that shriek when the scarab oh, dies, yeah. like yeah. I actually gave me the heebie-jeebies. I didn't like that yeah. one bit, and we had to hear yeah. it twice. Um, so I thought yeah, that he terrifying. did die, and that was like a misrecollection on my memory. So I'm glad that he's still alive. The other thing that I forgot was actually the whole light encounter with the Reach, like the meeting at the beginning overall. So okay. when when Aqualad and Tigris got shot, I was like, I don't remember that. Like, oh. <laughs> how did they resolve this? Yeah. And the yeah. other one was um, Ra's al Ghul recognizing that Tigris had the charm. And I was like, oh, no. I forgot. Right, right. I, I, I actually don't know what's happening right now. He did. What? Did, did they actually foil the plan? Like, what? And she he just walks over and rips it off of her and, like, I know I've watched this a million times before, but like my heart rate still went up on that, and I was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Like, what's going to happen? What is like? I, 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 I don't remember yeah, yeah, any was, of this." It was so well done. Like just as much as I had tears coming up in Kid Flash, like that one I clearly remembered. I've been dreading it since we oh, recorded sure. like episode one of this season. Sure. Um, you know, so you know that one hit me real quick, but that just shows how good this show is. That even on a mm-hmm. rewatch, you see these big moments and like you cheer when the team comes in, or you freak out when the villain does something bad, and it's just it's just such a well done show. Oh yeah, right. I imagine if you're listening to this podcast, you've watched these episodes. Otherwise, if not, I highly encourage you to do so because I'm just spoiling everything for you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm glad you like the sign of our voices, but watch the show. 
Yeah, that's an uh, excellent point. But uh, one one other thing I wanted to mention uh, mention is something I had a few questions about. So I guess we finally, well, I say we got confirmation that uh, G. Gordon Godfrey is with the light. I mean, I, I suspected it for such a long time, but I think it was when Aqualad was like basically breaking down how they were undermining each other's sides. Uh, he says that the light swayed public opinion against the reach. And then it shows that clip of, of Gordon Godfrey. And then not only that Gordon Godfrey is the one to announce the um, removal of uh, Senator Zing and the appointment of, of Lex Luthor in his place. So um, and I, I need to look up that voice actor too, because he reminds me of Tim Curry, like Tim Curry in his heyday, like home alone to Tim Curry, just like, so swarmy and smarmy and seems like he's just eating it up it actually is tim curry oh wow awesome good ear thank you um i didn't get that i thought he was just um a popular show host that was just kind of calling things as they happen and changing side to whatever made his story sound good it made the viewership go up i didn't catch him as being part of the light at all well, maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, it has it still hasn't exactly been spelled out, but it just seems like his alliances and the things that he say, eh, the things that he says against the league and for the reach or against the reach at any given time, seem to to line up perfectly with what the light wants. But you know, he's never been on one of those monitors. Um, speaking of uh, a character that I was uh, largely unfamiliar with, with was uh, Brain, Did, that like robotic brain thing like impulse had that moment where he basically just like took all the guns off of him and then he got tackled by gorilla he uh... showed up in season one a couple times okay especially the one episode where um everybody was questioning if aqualad was supposed to be the leader because he was keeping secrets okay when they were on that island in the dark like brain and gorilla were like the two villains of that episode and he's been like on oh, the monitor yeah, in okay. the light meetings a lot. I think that's where I primarily remember seeing him. Yeah, he was uh, definitely on the monitors um, in the light meetings. I think he has a good the... German accent, or something. yeah, that would that would stand to reason, like a Warner Herzog Warner Herzog thing going on. Yeah. I want to. I would like to see the baby. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I have, um, anything too terribly much more to say about, uh, these episodes individually, but if we just kind of want to talk about the season as a whole, um, it seems like a good, a good time to do that. So, uh, obviously Aqualad was, was a major character. Uh, we mentioned the relationship between, uh, McGann and Connor coming full circle. Uh, Blue Beetle was definitely a vocal point, a focal point for this. And uh, even in that, like that final scene where uh, you got like almost like the narration for the scarab. And he's like, you finally did it. The reach is leaving the people that tried to control you. um, You overcame and have, have basically sent them packing and just, yeah, really, really nice to see the maturation of that character. Like, he started off, like, super comic relief, and he still got that lighthearted feel to him a, a lot of times, but he definitely had 
a lot of gravitas in, in certain situations, but the relationship with the scarab from him being like this weird guy that's kind of like talking to himself and people are confused about what exactly he's doing conversationally to that epic moment where this, the scarab took out black beetle scarab and then that, that narration I just referred to. So, well, I also like the dialogue on that scene where the green beetles scarab died because it was being suppressed. The reason that Blue Beetle overcame Black Beetle was the dialogue of we used to fight over control, but now we're friends yes. and we're united. It's us working together, and then that's when you see them fight back to Black Beetle, which was it was it was really cool. It was very um, Hulk and Endgame like like wait why are we fighting each other when we can like actually work yeah. together and be a better species. Yep. Yep. I, I like it. Yeah, that was good, good analogy. There was we got to see the whole like beginning the end of this character in one season, and it was just really well done. Mhm. Mhm. Oh, did you see uh, that? Um, Red Arrow was in the lineup with Arsenal when I they did were doing notice. the pan. I did notice. Yeah, was Cheshire with him there too? Uh, I'm not sure if I saw. Maybe it. not. I definitely noticed. I definitely noticed both versions of Roy, Arsenal, and and Red Arrow. It was, yeah. It's it's nice to see Arsenal back, even though he's still still clearly dealing with some baggage. And uh, I have to imagine he probably had some off screen gripes about uh, Lex Luthor being the guy to supply the the anti reach software. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The two. The the. The little Red Arrow brothers and the Soup family. <laughs> oh, okay. I would definitely yeah. love to take turns just pounding on Lex Luthor. <laughs> Rightly so. Rightly so. Mercy Graves will have her. Uh, Mercy Graves, yeah, will have her her work cut out for her that day. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, Otis as well. Can't forget Otis. Head of security. Otis. He was the head of security. It was in that episode where Arsenal. Uh, had the epic fight with Mercy in like the parking garage, mm. and then eventually gets surrounded by like the entire security force. He yeah, was yeah. the head of security there, Otis. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah he's useful. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, other than that, uh, Nightwing did an excellent job commanding the team, even though he may have taken you know some extreme measures in terms of the uh, covert op- operations and espionage that was happening. But uh, obviously, it was super effective, and it's. It's taken a toll on him, and that that moment that he has with Calder, and it's like, you know, in the episode prior when uh, Aqualad had just come out victorious over his father, and he's, he's, you, you can tell he's not relishing the victory. It's a bittersweet victory for him. You know, Kid Flash and Nightwing are there right by him, like telling him all the things he accomplished, how great he did, and yeah. reminding him that it was those three that started things like when they went off to Cadmus five plus years ago. And then to come full circle, I did notice like in the final episode, it was July 4th. So we're a full six years removed from, from that first episode. Yeah. Then, as the reach was leaving the planet, uh, Cat Grant says, this is a very special independence day because correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the dialogue yeah, regarding yeah. that, I thought that yeah. was really cool. Yeah. But the, then just to have, you know, Calder and, and Nightwing having that moment and Wally's not there and Calder can 
totally understand. I, he he fights him a little bit, saying how 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 useful an asset he is, but he he completely understands when Nightwing brings up Wally, and how close they were. So yeah, he tries to play it off where he's like, "Oh no, like you're better suited for this." He's in front of everybody too, so it's like, "You're better suited for this. You take the role." It's like, "No, I insist." It's like, "Dude, take the break. I need the yeah. time off." Yeah, and. You know, this whole, this was another thing that I had forgotten, but this whole season, I've been mentioning um, Batgirl's leadership skills and how she's been able to, like, pull through in tight situations and take the reins and when when the leadership starts to collapse. And you can see that recognized as well. Which, like I said, no scene goes unnoticed in the show. But Nightwing even says, like, if you need backup, like... Barbara's more than capable of being your right hand for that, and I thought that was just uh, awesome that somebody of her caliber was being recognized to actually lead such a large team at this point. Yeah, yeah, definitely hope that we get to see more from her in uh, in future iterations. Like that's that's the thing, you know. After there was such a big sh- shakeup between um, season one and season two, and given the the amount of time that took place between the production of season two and season three, I'm really, I'm, I'm a little scared about uh, how, how season three is going to start things off for me. Am I going to have to say goodbye to a lot of, a lot of these characters that I became very endeared to in a short amount of time, even the ones that, yeah, we didn't get to spend like incredible amount, like incredible amounts of time with like Batgirl, the moments that she did get really counted. I'll, I'll have to bring up uh, Mal and Karen as guardian and Bumblebee. Like they didn't get, the most the most screen time but uh they they got some great development and i'll 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 look forward to seeing them again so i will just let your speculation rain <laughs> that's that's the uh that's the through line of this show yeah i'm looking at a couple of uh things from next season to kind of refresh my memory and it's like Ooh, <laughs> it's gut-wrenching already uh-oh uh-oh no <laughs> Well, um, I, I think that'll probably uh, wrap up our conversation here, unless you had any other any other things you were you were dying to get off your chest, uh, Zuhair. Oh, do you think all the like the people who were living in the warehouse because they lived in Mount Justice, do they have a room on the Watchtower now? Or <laughs> uh, well, in the case of like, who, so who do we have? Uh, Beast Boy for sure, McGann, Connor, Lagan. Okay, Lagan, and then I guess Mal was kind of, I, I, maybe he patched things up with Karen. That's yeah. that's still TBD. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh, for most of those characters, well, I guess chiefly Lagan with the with the bio ship, um, transit to and from Earth wouldn't be that difficult if they lived on the Watchtower. But uh, yeah. you know, traveling great distances never seems to be too much of an issue between the zeta tubes and the bio ship and and what have you so and between like four or five people that need living arrangements i'm sure bruce wayne even though he has nothing to do with the justice league could swing a couple bucks for an apartment (laughs) yeah maybe some uh send them some devil's devil's food cake as well (laughs) (laughs) well yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that'll that'll wrap things up here. We did have another five-star review that I will let Zuhair read as soon as he's ready. Got a five-star from Tiff1015. I am a Thank huge Tiff. fan of all the DC shows on the CW. 
I heard about Young Justice a while back, but it didn't interest me at all until a recent recap of The Flash. Mentioning Kid Flash was to join the series. This sparked my curiosity and decided to take the plunge. I actually started watching Young Justice last week and was thrilled when I heard about this recap podcast. The series is amazing. I was blown away by the animation it felt so real. Plus, the storyline is great. Drama and comedy, thumbs up. <laughs> All of the comments are... Ex- All of these comments are expressed in detail in this podcast. It's really nice to hear someone has the same thoughts as me for the series. Keep posting those episodes. As of today, I'm done with season one, and the time jump in season two is a bit confusing. I need answers. Big green emoji. (laughs) Well, that's that's music to my ears and especially appropriate considering uh, we are covering season two right now. So... (laughs) Yeah, thank you, thank you very much, Tiff. Thank you for listening, and uh, we appreciate all all the great feedback we've been getting so far. Thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, really hope you have enjoyed this coverage of Young Justice season two, and uh, look forward to Young Justice season three, as well as Young Justice season four. It hasn't been um, announced as far as a actual premiere date, but we know they've gotten a lot of work done on it, so it has to be coming soon. Um, on top of that, we've gotten the or excuse me, right now we're covering an awesome show called Invincible on Amazon Prime. I'm sure if you're a fan of animation, you've heard plenty about that. Uh, and we also have a lot of other great shows just around the corner. Uh, we're going to be teaming up with the uh, the Star Wars Universe podcast to tackle some Bad Batch, which will be dropping in the first part of May. And then later on in May, we have Modoc. So and then always in the back of my mind, I know Zuhair is, is waiting for the day that we do My Hero Academia. So <laughs> we have, uh, yeah, we have no lack of content. But uh, again, we love this stuff just as much as you guys. So whatever whatever your desires are, what you want us to cover, let us know. Um, for me, you can follow me, Twitter, Instagram. It's at jscotty for real, J-S-C-O-T-T-Y, number four, R-E-E-L. And check out strandedpanda.com. Check out the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash strandedpanda. Excuse me, the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv. Zuhair, what do you want to tell the people? If you want to follow my nonsense on Twitter, it is zoo786. That is a Z followed by five U's, 786. Uh, as always, we would love to hear feedback, so check us out at animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And everything else is slipping my mind, so as usual, stay whelmed. Cuckoo. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at SolomonBrothers.com, SolomonBrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best. 
When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at SolomonBrothers.com, SolomonBrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best.